All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Before we get started, we'd like to let you know that the Uncommon Gem podcast is an adult content show, meaning we may go into explicit detail or say some explicit words when talking about today's subjects. We also like to inform you that we're not paid or sponsored by any of the donations or charities in the episode. We simply just are giving it a shout out and hopefully spreading the word on some good causes. Thanks again for tuning in and let's get on with the show. What's good, everyone? The street is hot, but this podcast is hotter. We are back with another episode of Uncommon Gems. What's up, y'all? I'm Kevin Estevez. It's been actually a very hot summer. It's been crazy, but also like very humid in a way in New York. Uh, I, I never know what kind of weather we're dealing with because sometimes it's just super rainy and humid, but sometimes it's like normal summer of a New York. And it's, it's just tricky weather stuff. But you know what? We're going to deal with it. We're going to come in waves and goes. I'm a lot more tanner than I was in 2020, which is pretty dope in my opinion. But you know, it is what it is. Folks, honestly, I, I keep getting surprised when I ask people I don't know to come on the show, and I'm just really happy that this person said yes. Honestly, one of the funniest comedians out there in New York, and especially all over the world, he's been on turbo mode for a minute, so definitely check him out in person, but definitely follow him on Instagram, Mr. Waters underscore. Uh, as I mentioned, he's a stand-up comedian, but he's also a teacher. Just recently got married, too. We gotta give him love for that. Shout-outs to that. But you can catch him Wednesdays in Astoria Park for Training Day Comedy. Just a really funny guy. Please give it up for Jared Waters. <laughs> what up, dude? How's everything? Hey, man. I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, how about yourself? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate that. Of course. We're here to spread the love. We're here to tell the good people about all the fun stuff you're up to, man. And honestly, I feel like even with the quarantine and everything, you've been just on full sprint the entire time, trying to find a way to please the people, but also, you know, still do your thing, which I really love. Yeah, man, this quarantine was a blessing in disguise, man. I think a lot of comics who haven't hit that next peak, a lot of comics without credits and stuff like that, I feel like it was our, our time to seize the moment. Mm -hmm. As every comedian left, a lot of the comedians left, they went back home to wherever they're from. And like NBA references, it turned into a bubble, really turned into a bubble. There was only sure. 12 shows, and if you're part of those 12 shows, I had one of them. Drex, uh, Claire, they everyone had one. Little Jared had one, and it turned into a bubble. So it was just like everyone knew where the shows were, and you had a chance to first time in a long time for a comedian. When they say they were funny, they meant it because there's not that many comedians out there. Right. Everybody's I'm looking for the same shows. What I loved about it, too, is that y'all started, actually, so for training day specifically, y'all are coming up on the one year, because you started kind of towards the end of summer, right? Yep. And year. what I thought was so cool about it, too, was just how inviting it was, because y'all just kind of posted up at a park, where it was like, hey, the clubs may be closed, but we're still going to bring the comedy to y'all, and especially in Astoria Park, which, not really known for stuff like that, too, like, it's more just a family park, so it was family really cool Family park, safe park. Right. And we noticed that it's a lot of people just always passing by. Passing by, and every week we just get brand new people. Some people just happen to be running, like, oh, we didn't know you do a comedy show here. <laughs> and they stop and they chill. And the comedians, it's a, it's a skill to do a park. It's a very tough skill because the laughter goes up to the sky. So you have to always keep hitting. You have to stay consistent. And if you're going to live in the silence, the payoff has to be la louder. I'm from Florida, so I remember, I forgot, maybe it's like eight years ago, Gallagher's down there. And he's like interrupting open mics and talking all everybody. He doesn't mean to, but he's just, you know, he's he's yeah. crazy. And he goes, you think comedy is just inside a room? Comedy is in a, you ever did a, he said, you you ever did a, uh, what is this, not called a Ferris wheel, uh, uh, a carnival? You ever did a carnival with 300 people outside with airplanes flying? That's comedy. Comedy is everywhere. <laughs> he said that like a really long time ago. So like when we were in Tampa, we used to do shows on rooftops all the time. We would do shows on the ground. We'd do shows everywhere else. So when it, the New York City closed, I was like, it turned right back into a swamp. And I was like, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm from the swamp. So this it's it's perfect for me. I know exactly what to do. Love it. And man, you really took it and ran with it. And I, I really praise you for it too, because I think a lot of people, like especially for the stand-up realm, you know, they're really itching for that that time and itching also to get their jokes up because as an artist you know that's always a scary part like when you're just stuck in a rut and to have that avenue to have that access really helped out so many people 
Well, sometimes you got to realize this as well. Even though you're stuck in a rut, you got to realize that the audience might be stuck in, like, no, misery can't be misery again, you know? So a lot mm -hmm. of comments when they came back, I was like, look, you can't do all this depressing stuff for nine minutes. These people are already depressed. They come here to, like, feel better about their lives. So do the material that works. Go to the open mics if you want to test out material. Uh, I'm just telling comments like this. These are these is like 60 people out here. So I do definitely want let's definitely talk about you a bit because some of the audience may not know who you are. So as you mentioned, you are from Florida. Tell us about how you came to New York, how you pursued that comedy career because started in Florida, right? No, my name is Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian, host of the podcast One Man One Tree in the Hill. I'm from. My dad was in the military, so he was. I'm a son of an officer's son. So I've lived in North Carolina, I lived in Tokyo, I lived in the Netherlands. And then after leaving the Netherlands, my family moved back to Florida. And I did stand-up in college. So like, when I say like some people start stand-up late in life, like I always wanted to do stand-up when I was like 10. Wow. My dad came home, back in the day they had DVDs, like whole season DVDs. And he had all these Sanford and Son DVDs and we would just watch them all the time. And this is when Napster was big. So... I'm like a young nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid, and I downloaded every comedy album on Napster. <laughs> I almost crashed my parents' computer, so I downloaded all the Red Fox's albums and stuff, and I was just tell those jokes at school. So then when we moved to Tokyo, we moved we moved to the Netherlands. I tried to do it like when I was 16, but they weren't really rocking with me. It was like Tom Rhodes at the time. He's an old comic. He laughs at the story now, but he, all the Dutch were like, "You're not like you're not like American black. So where's the funny?" And I was like, "What? Just let me try." So then. What I did was I used to get all these scholarships, and when I had the scholarship, you had to give like speeches, like recepting the scholarship, and I would just write stand-up bits inside there. So like when I do scholarships, they're like, "Oh man, this guy's super funny," and I would try to do this. And then when I got to North Carolina, I did stand-up in college. But I think the when I became a comedian, when I started understanding comedy, is when I got to Florida, because college humor is is very. I'm not gonna say it's hacky unless you're in, if you're in like in New York City, if you're in like. LA or Atlanta, your humor could be this, but when you're in like East Carolina University, a party school, the jokes are about women, getting girls, party and everything else. And when I came back to Florida, I was doing those jokes at a club and the club owner was like, look man, these old people can't relate to you chasing girls at a college. And I was like, oh freak, you're right. <laughs> so I had to have this new level of stand-up, I had to study more and start understanding like, okay, and then I start falling in love with Chris Rock. I'm like, oh, I get it now, he's working. Talking about your life and understanding that. So, like, Tampa is, like, a really good place for comics to, like, hone their craft. Because you get a lot of time to figure it out. And it's red, but it's a blue state. It's like a purple state. Because you can do an act like this, but you got to realize there's people on this side that might not rock with it. So find a way to make worldview jokes. You can go left or you can go right. Honestly, that's the beauty of that transformation. I, I love that for stand-up comedians when they really develop their own sense of comedy and, like, audience testing is obviously a large part of it but man once you, once you actually figure it out once you actually figure out your lane and how to navigate it ooh, it's so great i agree as well and i think new york new york is another beast man i feel like new york made me a way better comedian yeah like tampa i had time but new york showed me how to hit faster mm -hmm. new york made me aware of like when you're in tampa it's like maybe 10 guys 10 guys that are like really really good people are like getting in there but all the good people they leave fast so there are no, like, elder statesmen in the scene. You know, like all the other elders say they live in, like, in Orlando. Or, like, I remember seeing Preacher when Preacher was coming through Orlando. Preacher Lawson and his brother. And seeing their energy and everything else. But they all left to go to different places, right? So when I got to New York, I had this slow pace a little bit, like, telling long stories. And I'm like, oh, I only got two minutes at this mic. So, freak, I can't even get a story out. Having the pace. I was like, all right, now I understand. You can hit within the first five minutes. I need to structure my jokes to be immediately to hit immediately, to hit fast, to hit do this. Then have that same Florida skill to be like, all right, when I want to tell a story, I'm going to be funny for five minutes so the crowd can trust me so I can tell a longer seven-minute story, you know? it's Yeah, that's the beauty of the craft right there, and that's the beauty of the audience too. Uh, they'll, they'll let you know exactly if it's hidden or if it's long. I definitely want to ask you about this because one thing I love about what you do on Instagram is you post every now and again some of your teacher work. So you're a kindergarten teacher yes. too. Honestly, one of the things I love about you, man, is just how you talk to these kids because it, <laughs> it is in such a warm and endearing way, but you're teaching them so much about life and pop culture at the same time with some of your lessons. And it's just real fun stuff, man. <laughs> I think it was like one time, like I was kind of like ashamed a little bit of being like a teacher. Like when I first started teaching, like when I was doing stand-up, I never told teacher jokes 
are jokes from my perspective. And this comic is like, why don't you talk about that? This makes you so interesting, being a man, teaching kindergarten and everything else. Because like, sometimes when you want to be a comedian the whole time, you think everything else is like distracting. Mm-hmm. And two, I realized, like, oh, this is what makes me connect more with people because I actually have a working job. And once you embrace it, you know, once you embrace like being who you are and what you do for a living, you can make a lot more fun on the job, you know? Yeah. And I think it's easier to teach kindergarten because it's easier to paint on a blank canvas than like the older kids are very, you know, whoever they are, if they're a mean person at eight, they're going to be a mean person for life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're five, <laughs> you can literally change it. Five, you know, they still respect adults. So true, man. <laughs> You have mentioned it, but we definitely got to give love to One Man, One Tree, and a Hill podcast. I really love this show, too, because explain the premise a bit. You, you kind of started on your own, but you've now invited more guests onto the show, right? Yeah, so the podcast was about being alone with your own thoughts, right? One Man, One Tree, and a Hill, right? And when I'm not alone with my own thoughts, we watch One Tree Hill episodes, because <laughs> I was on this podcast, and I was talking about One Tree Hill the whole time, and they are like, have you ever seen the whole show? I was like, I haven't seen it. So I would review episodes, and then what we do is now... I make a time capsule of somebody. Like, I was sitting there talking to a friend. I was like, what if your grandparents made a podcast of their thoughts when they were your age? When you think about it, like, my grandparents, he was from that era where they didn't talk a lot. Like, everything they felt emotionally, they kept it in. They didn't say anything else. So he probably didn't talk to my dad the way he talked to me because I'm asking all these questions being a young millennial. How did you feel at 18? How did you feel at 19? And I was like, wow, imagine if someone's kids had those intimate thoughts when you're like 30 or when you're like 20 and your grandkids having the ability to hear and like, oh, my parents are going through that same emotion. So I tell people it's a time capsule who you are. How did you get to now from the beginning? And it could be as long as you want, four hours, five hours. It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, I like that, too, because you also have episodes that, like you said, some are just like very much like 30 minutes, but some are like two parts, you know, like split up into multiple parts, which is great. One thing I want to give uh, love to is that there's a great episode where you discuss like your whole journey of speaking into action that you're gonna meet eddie murphy the night he hosted snl and folks wherever you're listening to us right now you can listen to the same podcast but please at least check out that that is a whole journey i love to listen to (laughs) dc benny didn't think well he was just like we we did a show and i think you heard the story already but we did the Mm -hmm. show in the hamptons and i told him i was like oh i'm gonna go meet eddie murphy tonight he's like really how do you know where he is i said i think i I, I got a feeling i'm gonna meet him i know man i freaking know and it's just like sometimes just saying it and then it just freaking happens. Speaking so of it's the, like when you get action. to those, yeah, speaking of existence, man, that's what the Bible says, man. <laughs> Another thing I do want to shout out quickly on a podcast, very uh, great friends of ours too, but the Negro Jump podcast, your episode on that specific show just had me in uh, stitches. It's, it's, folks, also please check out Negro Jump podcast, but definitely check out Jared's episode. This definitely, if you're big into anime, it's just a good old time. Those boys are from North Carolina. I met those boys at the festival. When I, it's so crazy, when I went, when I got to New York, there's nothing but Chicago comedians. I love them, but it was just a lot of them. It was like maybe 30 of them. And all the shows went around them like six times before it got anywhere else. And they all knew each other. They all were looking out for each other. And I was like, man, where are all the Southern dudes at? So then I met Paul and Khalil. They're from Miami. And then when I went to North Carolina, I met Grant, Shoddy, Cordero, and all them. And they all just moved up to New York. I was like, all right, now we got some Southerners here. Here we go. Now we can share the work with each other. Now we can pass it on. You know, we had like a group where we always talk to each other. and like, all right, it's time for y'all to, y'all need to get out here. I think during the pandemic, I called Grant. And I was like, if I'm out here, there's no reason why you shouldn't be out here. And now Grant Sheffield has like, what, five shows in the city now? He's freaking, he's moving and grooving. Community, yeah, that's what I love to see about it, is that so many people that, you know, I saw doing the open mic next now have their own show going on or are now rocking it, man. And it's so great to see everyone uplift each other, too. I think that's the real beauty of this modern generation of stand-up right now. I think it's, and I, I think that it's, I also tell Matthew, Matthew Arvala is the one I do the show with, and Matthew's 20. He's 20 years old. He's a young man. How old are you? Uh, I'm 28 in July, actually, in one week, in one week. So you're a millennial, you know. (laughs) So he's Gen Z, right? He's 20 years old. I met him when he was 15 in the back of a comedy club, and he's, you know, he's talking like high schoolers or whatever. And I'm telling him, he's talking about, like, getting up. And I was like, what are you bringing to stand-up for you to take away from stand-up? What are you bringing to the scene? You can just take, 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 and take, and take things, Mm -hmm. or you can contribute to the scene. I was like, yeah, if anybody wants to run over mic, that's cool. Why don't you start your own show and build your own setup? Sometimes we're waiting for people to do so. I was like, oh, why don't you start it yourself? What if Master P was waiting the whole time for someone to help him out, you know? So he goes, let me just open up my car and start selling out the trunk of my car as well. 
I mean, that's the exact same mission that started your podcast, the same mission that started my podcast. And, you know, that goes for everything, folks. Like, sometimes you're not going to get what you want, so sometimes you just have to make it happen. Make it happen, and therefore other people will be pleased by it. Jared, where can people check you out nowadays? I know you've been on full turbo mode. Do you have any, like, big announcements you want to make here? You can check me out every Wednesday in Astoria Park. It's called Trinidad Comedy in Astoria Park, 19th and 24th Avenue. Every Thursday, Comedy Night Live at RPM Underground at 7 p.m. Then after that's free karaoke. Then every Sunday at Belladonna's Pizza in Astoria. And uh, we do that show at 7 p.m. You can listen to my podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. It's on all streaming platforms. You can go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want. It's Mr. Waters with two underscores. I'm the black dude on the horse if you're looking for one. <laughs> and, hey, again, before we keep going, I do have to say congrats on the wedding, man. You all look so happy during the whole process. Very happy for you. That. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sure, like, with the whole pandemic delaying things, I'm sure that was something you're all very happy to do, too. Sometimes those moments, those moments when you find the person that you want to be for the rest of the world, rest of your life, you know, sometimes the little things don't matter. We had 350 people coming to the wedding. We had to cut it down to 16. Man. So if you've never cut an old elderly person out of your wedding, Ooh. you've never been cursed out before, my friend. You've never <laughs> heard the cursing from the 1960s, whatever they called you. No one's ever called you a jive turkey. <laughs> Sprinkle with the N-word and sprinkle with the F-word. They don't love you enough. That's what they don't. <laughs> so as always, we definitely like to take time to make sure that we call attention to a cause, a charity, or an action that y'all can get involved in, and it's always of the guest's choice. So, Jared, do you mind telling the folks at home what we're going to be talking about today? Yes. So this organization is for people with PTSD, soldiers, right? I grew up in a military-based family, Right, and I think a lot of military people have this bravado where they don't want to get help. You know, some people feel like, oh, they served four years and they're fine. But in those four years, you've probably seen some type of trauma. You probably can't sleep at night. You probably can't do else. You probably have undiagnosed PTSD. There are so many services to help soldiers get what they're supposed to get, you know? You could be, this. it's really a disability, and they reward you for that. So that organization helps uh, veterans get there to the VA and stuff like that. So that's what I want to do. A lot of my friends have severe PTSD, and they're finally getting the services that they need inside there. And I, I maybe sometimes I think in a parallel universe that I would be in the military, you know, something. I was this close in college, but, you know, they wanted me to shave my beard, and I just grew it. And I was kind of just like, <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. But it's this. always those moments, like when comedy gets very low, I was like, man, I could have been in the military already. When I see my friends become like majors, or when I see my friends become captains, or I see my friends get promoted, I'm like, man, this could have been my life. But I really think I adapted the military lifestyle to stand up. Always getting up. You ever see me? I probably got a vest on. That's like my little uniform that I have. Same black hat, same everything, boots. I'm just like, if you just keep pushing, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you'll get better at it. The more you study, the more you do that, then you elevate just like ranks. You become a different exactly. rank inside the comedy scene. Was it 10,000 hours to master something, they say? They say that, 10,000 hours. I think I got enough. There you go. Folks, I really like this cause. As Jerry was saying, they're really looking out for their mental health and also for the family's mental health because, you know, it does take a toll on everyone involved. Most of these people, sometimes they're off being on duty for years, you know. They don't see their families for years. And I think it's real important for them to reach out to their families and to make sure they're all well and good, too. Another thing that they do is if you simply just go to their website, you can see they have recommendations for books and podcasts for people suffering with PTSD. So I think that's also really smart thing to do this free advice for them to give out and i think one thing that i love about doing this show is that i constantly am learning that there's so many charities that just offer free information and for them to do that especially like you know it, it's so many people in the military it's so many families that have people in the military so for them to offer that just there it's it's great it's a community man i can tell you that the people that i bonded with over the years man i can't tell you i kid you not this dude i went to high school with the name is scott monaghan he's a wonderful actor we haven't seen each other since we were in high school. We literally did a podcast together, and last week, I saw a sister in the park. Oh, wow. Just walking. And she goes, I haven't seen you since Japan. And I just remember all these faces. And the emotions that we have, even though we haven't spoken each other for years, that same emotion because we're in a different country at the same time. So, like, for all these military families, it's not just one person serving. The whole family's affected by mm -hmm. what someone serves inside. I have so many friends that like have parents and also like eventually went into the military too. And what's interesting to me is 
you know, it, it is that longing for relationships again when those people come back, you know, because they, they kind of have to, like, disassociate themselves with their at-home selves. They have to kind of yeah. be on point at all times over there. So I think that's also, like, a great point of the community sense because, you know, you want to make sure these people feel like they're human again rather than, you know, Lord only knows what they saw over there and Lord only knows what they have to do over there too. So yes, folks, you can go check out Boulder Crest Foundation at bouldercrest.org. Again, like I said, they have many free resources and they have volunteer services as well. But definitely check it out. Definitely look into it. And, you know, offer this advice to people that you know with families of people in service, you know, especially if you know, like, it's been it's been a hard time for those people. I think this is a great way to help them out. Folks, this show, always a fun time, especially with the guests that we have. And I can never say no to a guest on Common Gems. So we are grateful enough to have two Uncommon Gems today from Jared. So Jared... Please let us know what the first uncommon gem is. It's about the character Goliath, right? He's known in the Bible, the Torah, whatever book you read, and about this uncircumcised Philistine, right? A giant. What did you notice about it? Have you heard these stories about Goliath? You know, it's funny to me because, of course, I've heard the stories of Goliath and David because it's constantly being retold. It's constantly being reimagined. And you see it a lot in your own personal life. I don't care who you are, but you're constantly fighting a Goliath some way in shape or fashion. So yes, very, very familiar with these stories. <laughs> they always adapted to sports too. This team, can they take off Goliath, the underdog, everything else? Yeah. Everyone cheers for the underdog. But I, I look at Goliath completely different, right? I think that it's not about the underdog story for me. I don't think it's about the underdog. I think the story is really about the people around Goliath. Let me break that down to you, right? Now, if you know the story, the story is that David killed Goliath with how many stones? Killed him with one stone. But he brought five stones. So the question is, why did he bring five stones if he knew he would kill him with one? Right? So when you go do more research, the reason why David brought five stones is because there were more giants out there. He wasn't the only one. He was the, only, he was the first one that fell. And the reason why he brought five stones is he was going to kill other giants. And the reason why he didn't kill any more giants because everyone got inspired because he killed Goliath and started slaying giants on their own. So for me, that story is, you know, it don't matter what you're going through in life. Maybe the giant that you do slay is not about you. It's about someone else to get inspired, right? There you go. So for me, I'm inspired by whenever a comedian gets passed at the Comedy Cellar, whenever a comedian gets on TV, whenever a comedian does something extraordinary or anything in life, I celebrate that inspiration because it's going to inspire something else. You know, I tell people all the time, there's enough room for everybody. There's enough food for everybody. No one in the scene has taken my place. I had to learn that year two. Year one, I'm coming from Florida. Inside my head, I've done stand-up. I've headlined. I did everything else. And re-humbling myself, realized, like, I'm not in competition with anybody here. I'm only in competition with myself. So my thing is, like, when I see people in the scene, I'm just like, when it was that pandemic hit, I was like, I'm this Goliath, this pandemic, I was like, I want people to, more people to be inspired. Be like, yo, let me start a show. Let me hit. I remember when Jared was here. I remember when Jared's here. Now Jared's up here. I was like, yeah, I'm not stopping. So when I hit that turbo switch, it's just like, it's the inspiration. It's like, I'm continually trying to inspire people, generally being inspired because I remember when I was inspired, right? And I think that that Goliath saying is just like, yeah, he did slay the giant. But at the same time, it was a warning for all the other giants to be like, oh, everyone's coming after you. Right. So like I talked to this comic one time. He got his own TV show. And I just asked him how the TV show was. It was during the pandemic. And he got kind of defensive with me because he thought I was asking to get on his TV show. I was just asking how the show was. And he got defensive with me, and I told him. I was like, look, I had to break it down to him. I was like, look, I used to know a dude with credits. Now I know a dude with his own TV show. That's completely different for me. I was like, I'm excited that you got that, man. I'm excited. Everything else, excuse me for my excitement. He's like, yo, I didn't think about it like that. I said, you doing that, that's just more inspired for me, saying like, oh, I see your steps. That means that when it happens to me, I'll be ready for it. There's other stand-up comedian. The other week, she got passed at the Comedy Cellar, and she tells me, and I'm jumping up and everything else. She's like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm passed. I was like, yo, congratulations. This is amazing. And then she's all like, I had to tell her. I was like, look, you inspire me. She didn't really understand when I told her. I was like, look, I remember being in Tampa watching a freaking documentary about you doing open mics, doing 15 to 20 a day. And I was like, then when I came to New York City, I finally met you, and you were mad cool, and seeing you write for TV shows and everything else. I was like, yo, you're an inspiration right now. <laughs> Matt probably was thrown off that I said that, but she sometimes you don't think about stuff like this because I didn't think that anybody cared. I was like, yo, I cared. 
So anytime someone takes that moment with me, anytime that someone takes a moment. So when I'm talking to comedians, either young, old, or whatever, I always take the moment to say what's up. I always take the moment to be all like, all right, let's keep doing it. What are you doing to inspire somebody else? For one, Color Me inspired, man, because honestly, the way you go about your life, the way you go about things, obviously, you walk with the people in mind, you know, like you walk with other support in mind, and that's genuinely a great thing to do. But for two, you know, I really, you know, it's it's always interesting seeing this, like, alternative take on, you know, the common story, and I really love that view of it, of just another thing to conquer, waiting for another thing on the horizon. And I'm curious, like, what exactly about that... What exactly about that do you attribute to, like, your comedy journey in itself? You know, like, has that, like, also, like, came in, like, your own writing of jokes? Has that came in, like, your own knowledge of comedy in itself? I think it has. I think it's me knowing how to turn it on, me knowing how to adjust, right? I've seen a comic. His name is Dean Napolitano, right? Old school Italian dude. Three people in the audience. Literally three people. Three of the people are my family members. Then maybe, my, I have a big family, so it turns into six. He did two hours in front of my family. Wow. And it was all laugh. More people came in because he all laugh. And then he's, you know, doing crowd work. And it looked like it was like, show's going to be dead. And he doesn't. And then my dad's talking to him. And he goes, well, what does that kid do? He goes, well, the son, he's a comedian too, but he's in college. He's trying to figure it out. And he said, always give a show. Right, So when I do a show, and I know there might be two people, I know there might be one person, I was like, who am I to take this night off? Who am I to not give them a show? Who am I to say, F this, let me just take out my notepad and do like bits that aren't tested out and make them have a bad experience instead of giving these three people the best show of their lives? You know, I think it's just, and being around New York City is just, this is the first time in a long time you get to see layers in front of you. Like when I was in Tampa... It's like maybe three layers. There's the headliners, there's the features, and the open micers. New York City, you can see Dave Chappelle walk around. You can see Chris Rock walk around. You can see someone who's just Tim Dillon, who started his own Patreon. It's just so many inspirations to just like, it don't matter where you are inside the spectrum. You get to see where you fit inside this, this matrix. So to come out of New York City, you got to be like, all right, how am I different? How am I unique? So when it's just like, when I see comics that are, you know, TV credits or comics you look up to, I was like, I've done shows with almost every comic that I wanted to do with. And at the end, they had to realize, like, oh, I just thought you hung around. I was like, no, I'm just waiting for an opportunity. Love it. You're creating the most out of an opportunity. Sometimes you get the opportunity, it's just like, you got five minutes. All right, in that five minutes, I got to hit them with the bang, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. This is a really fun and common gem, too, because I, what I like about the show is that everyone will have a different approach to it so we've had like deep thoughts of therapy we've had stuff like that but this one you know everyone knows this story so to hear from this perspective is really great and i i, I a lot of comedians also listen to the show too so i know that they'll know and love you always but you know like to, to hear it from someone maybe you need me to see it this way too you know because obviously what we want to do for the show is like inspire the youth inspire like those that don't have this knowledge so right and, really and appreciate a, that man it don't matter what goliath is a goliath could be mm -hmm. just leaving your hometown it's could be that, just leaving your hometown could leaving that comfortability be leaving a relationship that you're too comfortable with yeah. leaving that job that you know is never going to go around like once you do it like i remember when i quit in tampa another lady just quit all of a sudden she goes, you just inspired me to quit i was like i'm going to new york she goes well i figure that i'm not living my life either i, I quit too I'll like, F it. All right, everybody quit. I don't care. <laughs> so would you like to add any last words to Goliath itself? That's it, man. I, th I think it's just sometimes you got to, sometimes I think that you just have to be, you have to understand that it's not about you. We're just vessels. So it's about like how you treat people, how you do everything else. Imagine if, you know, yeah, the Goliath in your life did it, but maybe if you kill Goliath and you're just boasting about it, you know? Imagine, if, I did this, I did this, I, I single-handedly did this. Okay, you did it, all right. People see you did a great thing, but they didn't like the way you did it, so now they're not inspired. Like, well, he's a dick, I don't, you know, right. the freak. I don't want to be like him at all. Be nice to people. Help people out, folks. That's, you know, Help at the end of the day. Help people out and just work hard. I think it, I think it was, uh, I was watching this interview, right? This is, you know, Joe Jackson is Michael Jackson's dad, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they're talking to him about his kids, and Joe was like maybe 70, something like that. And 
they're asking him questions about like Michael's kids. Are they going to get them singing before he passed away? And then some reporter stands up and asks Joe Jackson, like, who's the best singer in your family? And all of the reporters are like, oh, we already know what that answer is going to be. And Joe stops and looks him in his eyes and goes, Jermaine Jackson has the best voice in all of my family. Out of all of my kids, Jermaine has the best voice. He said, but Michael outworked him. So it's just like, it don't matter how good a comic is. They don't work. They don't put the time in. There's going to be a comic who might not be as good, but he works extremely hard. Everybody is cheering for him because they see him out every night. They see him beating the pavement. They see him always trying, always trying to network. And that's going to be the one. Like, I never thought that Jermaine Jackson was better than Michael. I would never think that. And his dad's like, I heard them all sing. All of them. But Michael was the one that kept writing. Michael was the one that did everything else. And I was like, man, that had to it had to suck what he said about his son Jermaine. <laughs> but it made me realize, like, sometimes it don't matter, like, where I fit into the scene. Because sometimes it gets in my head. And I was like, oh, man, that comic's already, you know, they're meeting Dave Chappelle. Like, sometimes you miss a party. I'm like, freak, I didn't want to miss a party. To the, freak, I didn't even think about it like that until I realized, like, yo, your steps are ordered. Right? Sorry. The Goliath in front of you ain't the Goliath anybody else is facing. So yeah, man, that's what that's for me. That's for me. That's the Goliath, man. That's for me. That that's the story that I said. Forever, Jared. So now we're moving on to your second uncommon gem. You want to tell the folks what we got here? Hook, Robin Williams, nineteen ninety one. Dustin Hoffman plays Captain Hook. Julia Roberts plays Tinker Bell. Fat black kid. I don't know his name, but uh, Lowly <laughs> Rowan. Lucio. <laughs> <laughs> What a movie, what a movie. Yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg. Man, I mean, I'm born in 93, so this movie obviously was around in my youth, but I can imagine, you know, like, how old were you when this movie came out? I was born in 89, 5. Oh, man. No, I wasn't wasn't even, this is how I fell in love with the movie. Back in the day, remember TBS or TNT? Always, always. And they had movies that kill, and it was like, beans and cornbread, burn the burn beans. (laughs) They would play that movie maybe every week. Hook. I didn't know how long the movie was because I always saw it cut up. But I remember recording it all the time on DVDs and just being so excited because that was like one of the best movies. Like the plot was good, great acting, everything else. Rufio. I remember all that. holds up too. I was watching some clips right before and I'm like, you know what? This ain't looking that bad, honestly. It holds up, man. When he said, yo, what did I, when (laughs) it's funny. I remember I told this girl one time when I was in college, she was like, she was asking me like where I'm from. I told her, like, I was from the Netherlands, and she was like, oh, wow, like, how did you get here? I was like, you know, it's hard being a child actor. You know, we had to leave to the Netherlands. And she goes, you were a child actor? And we watched Hooks. Like, I said, that's me, that little black boy saying, <laughs> oh, there you are, Peter. And she was just, like, telling people, it's like, oh, my God, you're a child actor? I was like, yeah, just keep that down. You know, it's not about. <laughs> oh, damn, that's too much. Don't listen to that brainless fungus and that stinking fairy. I got pants or I'm the pan now. Take it away from me, Rufio. Oh, man. I got probably watched that maybe over a thousand times. I used to fall asleep to it when I was in college. I would, like, turn it on and just have just wake up and just fall asleep to it. Everyone's got that one movie they hold on to, you know, that, that NyQuil movie version. You know, everyone's got it. For me, it's Batman vs. Superman. Anytime I put that on 15 minutes in, it's out. I'm like, I cannot watch even the really? full time. I fell asleep three times in theaters when I tried to watch it, honestly. Yeah, never. The one I fall, the one I really love but I fall asleep to, I feel bad saying this. I really think that, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy is one of the best trilogies ever. The Dark Knight is probably the best out of the three, but my favorite is The Dark Knight Rises. It's just the, the story was great just to see Batman get beat the F up. And I enjoy Bane, man. Bane had me going. You fight in the dark. But I was born in it. Molded by it. So I'm curious, what what about this movie do you uphold to it so much? Because I'm sure this definitely had an influence on you, you know? Just, man, always remembering. Remembering where you started, right? And knowing that's still, again, just having fun, man. Sometimes I think we get in, we, as we get up in age, we forget the fun aspect. You know, when I first got to New York that first year, it wasn't a miserable year, but I've lost the fun part. You know, because it's always me worrying about, I went from getting up to not getting up at all. I went from just, you know the open mics is BS. You know my name is on the list. I know you freaking saw it. And I know you put it on the back on purpose, right? And then when you get on the stage, you're frustrated because you know everyone left already. Until I realized, you know what, let me start having fun again. 
Right. Let me start having fun. Let me really start being who I am. And now I watched that movie, I was like, yo, when he went back to Neverland, he realized, like, oh, wow, he had to learn how to fight, learn how to crow, learn how to do everything else again, and I had to relearn everything. Exactly. When I got here, I relearned, all right, these are how the open mics are? Okay, well, now I need to get here and start making friends and being everything else. I noticed, like, if you're friendly with people, more people will put you up. Okay, if I notice, you know, being around in the military, bouncing around, what I have in common is, like, oh, where are you from? Okay, you're from Texas? Oh, I know something about Texas. So like striking conversations, realize like I got to be a part of this community. And I feel like once, you know, Robin Williams, aka Peter Panning, dialed in, and he found everything back. Sometimes you have so much fun, he forgot he had to get his kids. Right. Because what hooks? What pants got kids? <laughs> Man, you know I love that choice, especially Robin Williams, because you know obviously a very wacky person in general. Like you've seen so many skits and uh, movies of him doing funny stuff and. Right. I think it's so smart to have him in this role, especially because, like, he plays a curmudgeon pretty much, like, the first half of the movie. You know, like, that's not Robin Williams. What the hell is going on? And, of course, like, it comes out of him at the end, you know? I never knew that until I watched it all over again. I was like, man, what a bad dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> you missed your son's baseball game. Man. That's, that's, that's what makes it so good about the movie. Mm-hmm. When, when Hook is trying to get Jack, and he goes, <laughs> Jackie boy! Jack! This is for all the games your daddy missed. Hook would never miss your game, son. Would I ever miss a baseball game, Jack? How did you know about that? (laughs) Sometimes I say it all the time, comics don't get it. Good form, Jack, good form. (laughs) No, no, Schmeave, you got it backwards. This is a fun movie, yeah. I I love Dustin Hoffman, too. Kind of unrecognizable until, like, you really look at him like, no, that is him, but... I like, still don't see it. I still miles away, you know? Like, it's a crazy performance from him. I still don't see it. I still don't see him as Hook. I just, he, that's how good it was. Mm. You know there, Michael Jackson was supposed to play Robin Williams' part. Oh, you're kidding. True story. Man. Michael Jackson was going to play. I was curious how he would have did it. Oh. But all the allegations came out, and Steven Spielberg said, we're going to hold off, MJ. And, uh, <laughs> he wasn't, you know, he was found not guilty, but it's just like, that's what... So imagine what the movie would have been with him. He was a really good actor too. Michael was really good. Yeah, yeah. How it would have did, but Robin Williams has such that playfulness, like that character, that movie Jack, when he's like a boy as a man or a man boy or a man child. That playfulness is hard to capture on film. He's got that magic, man. Okay, so we gotta talk about this one that's weird to me, because obviously, like Robin Williams, notoriously hairy dude. Yeah. Like <laughs> they they made like the weirdest artistic choice of like. We're going to completely shave his arms and body, like, full on. Oh, they did. Oh, freak, they did. Such a weird choice. (laughs) It's like, why did they do that? I didn't even think about that. I don't know. Like, that that always, like, I I get it. They're trying to make him youthful. They're trying to make sure, like, he does come off as a boy at the end. But, like, you know, it's so weird. Shout out to to Robin. Shout out to Robin Williams. I just got his book. (laughs) Well, I don't know if he wrote it, but it's a book. I just downloaded, got the book. It's like 300 pages. It's got his book. I loved his other movie, Bicentennial Man. Oh, I haven't seen that in a minute, but yeah, it's a good movie. When she fell in love with a robot. You know, shout out to him. He just he just went for it. He was like, I'll play whatever. Yeah. I really don't care. <laughs> so I want to talk about Rufio a bit because, you know, this is the weird thing about this movie is that this movie's kind of grim and dark in a lot of weird ways. But yes, like, it is. It is, right? We got, we got to pour one out for Rufio because, man... It was hard out there for him, but, you know, really, really cool character, hairstyle, the triple mohawk, really dope character. Have you ever seen the picture of what they look like 20 years later? I actually did see that, yeah, when I was researching, yeah, I saw all of them get in the Everybody's like, Rufio here. looks the same. I was like, you can't get those boyish cheeks. Nah, man, that's a man body now. Dark character, his dad, how's just how everybody was kind of just lost, you know? Man, the Lost Boys. I what a fun crew too. I, I really love that moment, like at the end of the movie when he gives the sword to Thudbutt. But you know, you could tell like he really like bonded with those children on set. But like it really plays off well for all those characters in the movie. I like when Thud. He said Thud, right? That's his name, the big Thud one. Thud Yeah. <laughs> I just call him Big Big uh, Big Baby or uh, <laughs> a hunk of love. I remember when it's when he's talking to, talking to him and he goes, "You know what my happy thought is." Mine's my mother. And then the girl starts singing and he gives him the marbles. And he goes, Yeah, he really did lose his marbles. Yeah, he lost them good. 
<laughs> I want to know who was in the writer's room just sitting like, yep, yeah, let's do it, run right. it. How could you know Toodles? He was a lost boy. These are his marbles. These are his happy thoughts. <laughs> he really did lose his marbles, didn't he? Yeah, he lost them good. <laughs> It was so cheesy, but it's so funny. <laughs> so I always, when people bring movies onto the show, I always want to like look up a very fun trivia fact. So this one's wild. So Julia Roberts was supposed to marry Keith Sutherland around the time they were filming this movie, and the bets were called off. The wedding was canceled, <laughs> and so Julia Roberts ended up like running away to Ireland to like recuperate. And like Steven Spielberg was so pissed and like called her like. I will fire you from this movie if you don't come to finish filming. Like, wait, wait, where did she go again? She went to Ireland. <laughs> wow. You know, and who knows? IMDb is definitely the internet, so who knows if that's even real, but <laughs> it is something. It is definitely something. It's just one of those movies, man, where I think that, that that movie gets lost in the sauce, and there's so many people who don't know about that movie. Yeah, like I mean, Peter yeah. Pan, I was like, with Robin Williams? We're like, what? And I work with a lot of young young ladies. I'm like, hook. Hook? What is? What do you mean, Hook? I'm like, Hook, Rufio. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, no, man, I don't freaking know. So I be most of the time I buy nothing but Hook DVDs and give it to them for their Christmas present. Like, what Plus, am I gonna do with the DVD? I was like, hey, figure it out, man. Do you get like right on the card, bangerang, and then just like give it to them? Bangerang. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, do you have any last words about Hook? There, you want to tell the people? Yeah, man, that's just that's one of my favorite movies. Keeps me going. Just still, just keep that fun, man. Even though. We all start working. We all start doing that. Just remember that there's some people out there that remember you when you weren't so so stressed out. You know, take that time to debrief and like appreciate things more. You know, because if you don't, someone else would take that thing that you that you forgot to appreciate. I think it was one hook when he's all like, "Oh my boy Jack," and he goes, "Wait, that's my Jack." But the whole time he never appreciated his son until someone else was calling them daddy. <laughs> real, man. It's some deep, it's some deep movies, man. It don't seem so deep, but it's deep, you know. Right, they got those messages. Right, I mean, it's like comedy too. Sometimes you treat her different, you know. You get a couple of success, you get a couple of credits, you feel like you don't gotta work as hard, mm-hmm. right? And then you you're wondering why you get that withdrawal, that everything else, and then someone else comes and you say like, wow, how's it? Why is it not that fun? Right on the money. Could have said it better myself. <laughs> like, I love the movie. Yeah, yeah. just a fun ride, and yeah. I like that it does do that whole thing. Like, he works in office. He works in 9 to 5. And I like they really, like, make sure to, like, stress that. Like, yeah, you should take some time away from your work to be a part of your family, be a part of your youthfulness, you know. It's stressful out there, folks. We just got out of the pandemic. Take some time to yourself. Do something fun. Yeah, it's just a rough time, man. Folks, please, please do check out Bouldercrest. It's at bouldercrest.org. Like we said, it helps out a lot of veterans, helps out a lot of people in the military and their families. And, you know, we just want to make sure people are less stressed out. Mental health is such a such a need for so many people in, in just their daily lives. So Support the troops. And Not in New York. New York, they don't give you an applause break for saying to support the troops. Only down south, they give you an applause break for that. <laughs> one, of my, one of my friends, true story, he was in Tampa, and he said this and almost got booed off the stage. He goes, everyone give it up for the troops. And everyone starts screaming. He goes, of ISIS? <laughs> <laughs> they literally were about to just destroy him on that stage. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Jared, please, let us run it by again. Mr. Waters underscore underscore on Twitter. Mr. Waters underscore underscore on Instagram. If you look, see a black man on a horse, that's me. <laughs> a lot of Jared Waters, but there's only one on the horse. There's only one that knows how to ride that thing. That's me, man. If you ever want to support me, go ahead and inspire somebody, man. This life, this life is way too short to be upset. This life is way too short. What this pandemic has showed us, like, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And you can't travel scared. You can't wait your whole life waiting for something to do it, you know? And if you really want to do something, and sometimes it gets in your head too a little bit. Did I waste too much time here? Did I waste too much time doing here? And, you know, sometimes you don't understand until someone else comes up to you and is like, oh, man, you've done this to me, you know? Exactly. That one little comment might be the, the spark that keeps you going. So, man, stay <laughs> encouraged. Stay encouraged and be encouraged. I forgot who was it. I think that when I moved up here, I, my prayer was I asked God to lead me like a baby. Lead me like a baby so I know for sure what's happening. So when things don't happen for me, I just know that it's it's not God's will, you know? 
I can't have someone take me on the road or anything else. It's right. probably God's telling me, like, I want it to be so clear that it's me that did it for you that I can't let no one else do it for you. So that's when I'm just like, all right, well, it's not my time yet. All right, well, I need to keep, I know I need to get better. If I look at my set from four years ago, I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't adjust for last now, man, because I'm a whole lot stronger now. This whole pandemic made me a whole lot sharper, a whole lot, man, what the freak? I can riff off anything now. I used to hate crowd work, but now I was like, I just do crowd work in front of my whole freaking park the whole time. Love it. You know what? That's funny, because I remember listening to your first couple episodes of the podcast. You even said it to you're like, oh, this is going to suck, folks. Like, we're in for a puppy ride. But, you know, you're like, I'm going to work on it. We're going to make sure this podcast has, like, sharpness. And obviously, you did get there, like, very soon, too. But, you know, like, that's what I love about it, man. You know, it's it's a dive, folks, and you're gonna you're definitely gonna hit some bumps, but guess what? You gotta stick the landing. That's all it is. Brick by brick, man. Brick by brick. Brick right. by brick. And if you keep doing something, and you keep doing something, eventually you're gonna get good at it, right? Then when you get good at it, it's gonna be another level of difficulty. But if this is what you're trying to do. It'll be completely different. I'm pretty sure Eddie Murphy has no regrets. Pretty sure the comics that have made it have no regrets. They whatever they did, they made it. Families are good. And at the same time, I think it's Tracy Morgan that said that. He goes, I don't intend to hurt anybody. I just want people to be funny and want people to laugh. And sometimes I get into my head where he's thinking like, man, you want to make people laugh the whole time? That's like such a such a cheesy job. Everybody, everybody can be funny. This whole last president showed you. Everything can be oh. funny. <laughs> Good Lord. Freaking Obama, too. Obama's funny, too. There's a lot of pre- Anyone can be funny. Anyone can be funny. There's a million comedians out there, and we chose a job, a profession that almost anyone tries and attempts to do. So I tell every comedian, stay encouraged, you know? Whatever makes you stand out, stand out, and always try your best. Don't take no nights off, unless you got a hot wife like I do. But we don't take nights off on vacations. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jared, I'm going to ask you one quick question before we go, just because I feel like this would be a good one. You're starting five. Like, yourself included, who are you taking to fight Thanos? Ooh. Dead or alive. This could be fiction. This could be nonfiction. You could, you could pick Marvel Prince. Char- Marvel characters are just... You could pick Prince. You could pick Naruto. You could pick Iron Man. You could pick, like, anyone. Who are you bringing? Vegeta. Supposed to be a level of saying could only reach if he was totally pure of heart, like Goku. Believe me, my heart is exceptionally pure. Pure evil to the core. I relate so much to Vegeta, man. Out of all the Dragon Ball Z characters, it's Vegeta. I was skipped a grade earlier, so when everyone else started developing, I had to work hard to make sure I maintained with everything else. Vegeta's always getting looked over sometimes, you know? He's Everybody loves Vegeta, and everybody's always rooting for Vegeta, but Goku right. will get a new transformation. I would take Vegeta with me. I would take... You remember... um. Kid Rock's little person, Wee Man. It's not Wee Man. You know, the, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you remember him? They do that little kid. That, yeah. Excuse me, the small person that was with Kid Rock. What was his name? Oh, I gotta look it up. Yeah, I'm not sure. Kid Rock. I think his his name was not. Was it Josie? Was it Josie? And he was. Uh, let's see how he died. A week after sleeping, selected disease. Oh, goodness. His parents. No, that's not him. That's a kid. <laughs> that's a kid that died. Kid Rock. He was a hype person. You remember it, right? Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Very, very. Maybe, maybe it is, it is him. Maybe it so is. That is, that, it is Joe C. That's what I'm seeing on Wikipedia. Yeah, but they said he. No, nah, yeah. He's definitely. Yeah. He wasn't a kid. He just looked like a kid. Man. But Joe yeah. R.I.P. Joe C. He was 26. Whew. I would have him all the time because I know. We could use him out as a distraction and have him play <laughs> music and stuff like that. I would take him. That's two. That's two. Ready to get Give it up for Joe C. Uh, next person I would take would be as two Michael Jackson. I would take MJ. But like, which era of Michael Jackson? That's important. 
right before he died. Okay. Dad Michael. Got you, got Dad you. Michael, when he was slapping people and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> you ever see This Is It, where Michael gets <laughs> mad and everyone gets scared? Yep. It's not how I want it. It has to be like this. Everybody's like, yes, Mike. Yes, Mr. Jackson. Yes, 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 Mr. Jackson. Yes. Yes. Yes, Mr. Jackson. Yes. That's three. Who else would I would like to go to Thanos with? The Silver Surfer. Hey, hell yeah. Silver Surfer. I love his his arc when I was growing up the comics about he was the one he sacrificed everything to save his hometown. And right. he was uh was like a like a worker for Galactus. Man, that he just one, gets to surf the galaxies. That's dope as hell. My man is just cruising. cruising. <laughs> he was like de- destroying planets, though. Yeah. <laughs> that is also true. For Galactus. That's four. The fifth one will be Kobe Bean Bryant. Chance. <laughs> the Lakers down one. Will Kobe give them one last gamer? Bryant on the move with the jumper. He oh, got it! Oh, 58 points! Black Mamba, may he rest in peace. Shout out to the Mamba. That honestly, you would win. You would win if you took just Joe C. Honestly, that would be case in point. (laughs) I think Thanos probably would have hit him with that Power Stone. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta think about it too. They almost beat Thanos, but it was two. We can't have emotional people on the team, eh? man. Caught up in his feelings. Caught up in his feelings. Can't have Drake on no team. Right. It was it was a Star Lord. It was him. He got too emotional. All he had to do, they're about to pull the whole thing off. <laughs> Folks, it's always a pleasure. Please take care. We'll be back again next Friday. But hey, wherever you're listening to us, check out One Man, One Tree in a Hill podcast. Really great show. You can check that out. Same place you're listening to us right now. So much love, Jared. Take care. All right, man. Wait, before we end, do you know Emilio Estevez? Is he related to you? Oh, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, no. Ducks fly together, man. Hey, shout out to the Mighty Ducks. I've always wanted a Goldberg jersey. I've always wanted that jersey. You'll get one, man. I believe in you. It'll happen. <laughs> All right, y'all. Take care. <laughs>